I feel like I'm a real on a real journey and I'm feeling Hashem is just taking me like in the midbar every stop that they made was a purpose and they set up the mishkan there you know as if they were going to stay for a long time but even if it was for a day they set up the mishkan and they did their shluchas and they did what they had to and that's what I feel like I'm doing Bombs, crash, boom. It's wartime. Leave everything and escape. Two years ago, she did just that. While the bombs were falling, Mrs. Reitzes and her family, the Shluchim to Kharkov, Ukraine, escaped, leaving everything behind. For us, life has moved on. But how is it going for them? Away from home, for almost two years now. Tune in to our DAS discussion, where we take it from knowledge and bring it down to action. If you enjoy this episode, I would like to sponsor a future episode. Email olifallover at gmail.com. It could be in honor of a birthday, a yard site, to advertise with us, or anything in between. Your support is what makes this happen. If you're new here, then welcome. Stop, drop, and scroll to the top of this podcast. Give a rating, hit follow, so you won't miss an episode. And together, let's bring Ula now. Welcome, everybody, to our 29th DAS discussion. Today, we are very lucky and privileged to have with us Mrs. Reitzis, all the way from a very holy city of Ukraine, now located in Poconos, Pennsylvania. Can you please introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about how many years did you live in Ukraine for and what, what you did there while you were living there. Hi, everybody. Thank you very much, Rifki, for having me. Uh, I was living in Ukraine, in Kharkov, for 28 years. We went out on Shluchas, um, in, on Hanukkah, Tavshin Nundalit. And we went on Shluchas with the Abracha of the Rebbe. The Rebbe actually had had a stroke before, and so all the questions and um, any things that they had to ask the Rebbe, the Rebbe answered with a nod of his head. So when we were asked to go on Shluchas to Kharkov, Ukraine, the Rebbe nodded his head, yes. And that was our answer. And we were there for 28 years um, until war broke wow. out. Which was, which is coming up actually. Um, it was Chaf Gimel Adar Aleph. So it's almost going to be two years. Wow, wow, wow. That's crazy. First of all, 28 is Kayach strength. That's right. And- and two years is a long time. Yes. So the reason why I brought you down for Parshas Mishpatim is because the Rebbe in Tavshin and Beis has an incredible sicha about looking at the recent events in that year, that that was a time when the UN came together, the United Nations, and they made like a pact, they made a decision that they're not going to be spending so much money on, you know, war material, guns and weapons, but they're going to invest that money instead to help poor people, to feed people, for social advances in the world. And the Rebbe is saying, like, hello, look, open up your eyes. This is the literal nevuah coming to life of the Kassu Harvais and Litim, that it says, pretty sure in Yeshaya, that they're going to take their swords and going to make it into plowshares. And this is literally what's happening. And then people think, oh, this is just normal, right? Everyone's, you're human, so don't spend it on war. But no, they're saying, like, look, for thousands of years, everyone was killing each other. The fact that there's this, you know, change is a sign of Geula. So I thought of you because 
the war in Ukraine broke out two years ago, and that was like it, you know, literally changed the whole world over. Everyone was saying the hill and davening, you know, songs came out for like support, families were escaping. It was such a crazy time for us. How much more so for you? You left your whole family. I mean, your whole, you left your whole home behind, your shluchas, everything. And he had to relocate it. And then we all just continued it with life. And meanwhile, you're here. You're living in a very beautiful town, um, Poconos. But it's not Ukraine. It's not, it's not your home. So I'm wondering if we can just, you know, remind ourselves, go back a little bit to the time of that war. Uh, if you could tell us a little bit about some miracles that you happened on your way of escaping. What, what, first of all, what was the first feeling that you had? And take us a little bit about that journey so we can go back and really remember remember it again to get to get hope and for the future for the gula okay so i just want to go back a step back because um i didn't say exactly what we were doing on shluchas over there so i want to go back to to what we were doing um so we went out 28 years ago from almost the first day that i came out i was teaching in the kindergarten there um and my husband was working uh, with boys in the, in a uh, in the Jewish school, and then eventually he turned into a yeshivatana, which he took basically boys, um, and he taught them half day Hebrew, half day Yiddishkeit, and half day secular. And a lot of the boys ended up becoming from because of that, and some of them even shluchim, and wow. um, and a lot of them starting a, a, a from Jewish home. So that's basically what we're doing. My husband also did a lot of um, classes for men. Um, and also we did, we were in Ganyastrol. There was overnight Ganyastrol and day camp Ganyastrol. He was also involved with that in the summertime. So that was basically our shlichas. Besides the fact of having almost every single Shabbos guests in our home. And um, just regular mifsayim that, you know, Friday afternoons or on Yom Tivim, doing the regular kind of mifsaim that everybody does, you know, for that Yom Tiv. So that was basically our general shluchas that we were involved in. And um, the war actually began um, 10 years ago. It was eight years before this one. It, the real war began. Um, there was when they th overthrew the government and some cities were taken over by Russia. That was the, if you remember the Crimea, and there was Donetsk, Lugansk. They were taken over, and the Shluchim and the Shluchim had to leave from there. And then it, it was the war was going on, but on a very very quiet way, like just by the borders. And so everything was just like regular, normal, until two years ago. And actually, we didn't even think that it was actually going to happen because we just thought, you know. You know, what's going to be the worst thing? Maybe they'll just take over. There won't be like any major war. Um, but Ukraine didn't allow that and they fought back. Um, so that was, I'll just go back to the beginning. What happened on, uh, we had some, you know, the, the whole world basically was looking at what was going on. And we had some uh, Israeli shluchais that came out. Um, it's called from Misrada Chinuch. They come from the Israeli government and they teach. So they were right away called back to go to Israel. And we had some Israeli girls who came to help teach in our school. And they also went back. That was a couple of days before the war broke out. Because obviously they knew that there was something that was heading in the wrong direction. And we kept our hopes high. And, you know, we're here. And all the shluchim just stayed. 
where we were. Um, and then Thursday morning, five o'clock in the morning, we heard some fireworks, fun. <laughs> but they weren't fireworks. They were, <laughs> there was war. And, um, right away, everybody started WhatsApping each other. Did you hear that? And, uh, we got phone calls from the school, um, no school today. And it was war. War just broke out. It was all over Ukraine. It wasn't just our city, Kharkov, that there was attack on the whole Ukraine. So that was like mind boggling. On the other hand, we didn't think, we didn't know if it was just going to be just, you know, one, two, three, and just on military, for example, we didn't know how long the whole thing was going to last for. So we were just staying put in our house and, um, you know, just staying in our house, just to make sure that, you know, we, we heard, we heard, um, a lot of, um, like gun, gunfire and bombs, but it was very far away. And we were told that it's more on the outskirts of the city. We're like about an hour away from the border. So it was just like basically by the border that they were, they were fighting, which is not right in the center of the city. So we didn't feel like very threatened at that point. Um, that was Thursday. I remember they actually told us we were getting like reports from what we should do. Um, they told us like when it became night, nighttime, we should close our lights and we should close our shades for whatever reason, you know, that has to do with war. So I remember baking challah for Shabbos with our flashlights and our wow. candles. <laughs> that The challahs actually came out delicious. Special energy <laughs> flashlights. <laughs> and Baruch Hashem, we, we, what we were nervous about was the we were actually in Kharkov for the first week of the war. But what we were nervous about was that they were going to stop our water, our gas, electricity, internet, you know, they were going to stop those things. And Baruch Hashem, all those things were were full on the whole time. And even after we had left, most of the time, they were on and we were able to keep in touch with people and help them actually escape when we were, when we had already wow. left. So I have, you know, Baruch Hashem for that, that we were able to keep in touch with family. And they were, you know, they knew that we were okay. And that we were able to just stay in our house over Shabbos in the next few days with lights, with electricity, with gas, with everything that we needed, and food, with water. And, food. and we had Baruch Hashem, because we lived in where, where we lived in Ukraine, we had a few freezers and a few fridges in our house. We used to stock up once a month with with um, with meats and chicken and milk eggs and our own breads and challahs we made and cakes and we used to like fill up the freezers and that's you know we were able to live out of the freezer kind of thing and we also we had a lot of things stocked up so I wasn't worried with food you know the only thing that I would be worried about is just like fresh fruits and vegetables that you know you would have to get after a week or two but other than that we had plenty plenty of food uh -huh. Baruch Hashem. and actually after we left we left our um our key to our apartment with the shul to someone in the shul and we told them, go inside and just take whatever you need for people. You know, people were escaping and they were running to the shul because the shul had a basement. And um, it was approved by the government that it should be used as a shelter because it was under underground. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of people, even Goyim, that were coming and they were staying and living, actually, in the shul. And the shul was making food for them. And so we told the, the people who were in the shul, who weren't leaving, to go into our apartment and to take whatever they needed from the freezers and the fridges and, and whatever, you know. It's, oh, it's open for anybody, which they did. They took a lot of things and they were able to, to feed people with that. So 
we were happy to be of help in that well, way. How was what was like the the feelings and the emotions of your kids? Like were they just like okay, we're used to this, or were there was there like a lot of fear, crying, you know, next to mommy kind of thing? So the younger the child was, the less they were affected because they didn't really know what's flying, and we just you know try to keep up you know upbeat. Um, actually, Shabbos. We also, again, we heard the bombings and the, you know, these kind of uh, war noises What was very far away. And we weren't so nervous because we're like, mama's like a five, seven minute walk to the shul. So we walked actually to shul that Shabbos. And we were in, we were in shul and we had, a, it was Shabbos Mavarchim and we had a Fabrengen in shul. And um, the president of the shul actually got up to speak and said that, we're so thankful to the shluchim that stayed with us and they didn't just run away. They were, we were able to go away right away to America or to not even to America that airports closed. So we couldn't leave to America right away, but we could have left the city. We could have gone left and, you know, traveled somewhere else um, that stayed with us and, and they're with us. So we did stay for the first week until things got pretty bad. And then we were told actually that we should leave um, from higher ups. Wow. And uh, that's what we did. Yeah. Uh, so going back to my kids, going back to my kids, the younger the kid, the the less they were like affected. And, you know, we would just keep them occupied and they were watching some, you know, videos and we were, you know, singing and, and talking and, you know, just keeping them occupied with things. Um, the older children were definitely more frightened and we tried to keep our calm. You know, if we did hear like... Um, bombs that were coming closer we'd go into we had a hallway without any windows and we'd stay out in that in that hallway and we'd say to him um but uh that's basically you know we tried to keep our calm till we actually wow. left wow so the the leaving process how was that so the leaving process um we first of all we didn't know if we should leave that was number one the reason for that is, first of all, we're leaving our shluchas. That's number one. But even so, even if we are going to leave, what's more safe? To stay in your house when there's bombs coming or to be outside on the road? Because we had an airport in Kharkov. We were able to just leave from, it's like a half an hour drive from our house. But as soon as the war began, the airport's mm. closed. So we would have to start traveling through Ukraine to get out of Ukraine. That means you're an open area and, and you don't know what's going right. to be. So if it was just going to be like for a short time, this like small little war, maybe it's better just to stay put in your house and, um, you know, not be on the outside. So we, we were really very confused. And, and we weren't the only ones that were confused. A lot of shluchim were confused. Um, I was in touch with my brother, um, Rabbi Levitansky, who's in Sumy, Ukraine. He's three hours from us. So we were in touch with him and we were in touch with the other shluchim and shluchais that that um, that uh, were in our city. Um, so we have, there was, uh, their head shluchim, Moskowitz, they were there and a few other ones that were together with us. And we were just all in touch with each other, what to do and where to go. And of course, um, you write it to the Rebbe, which we did. We ended up writing it to the Rebbe. And we, I wrote to the Rebbe saying, Rebbe, you sent us here on Shluchas and we've been here all the time since, you know, since, since we came here and it looks like we might have to leave and we're only going to leave, you know, with your brachas that this is what we're supposed to be, you know, or what are we supposed to do, you know, with your brachas? And we opened to um, the Igris 
And it was a letter about Yud Beisigah Gimel Thomas. Wow. It talks about the uh, the nest of the Friedrich Rebbe coming out of jail. And uh, there was a lot of there was a lot of things that were written on that page. Um, but one of the main things was that Yud Beisigah Gimel Thomas, it would be miracle. The miracles are going to be like out- outstanding miracles happening. So we knew that whatever we're going to do, Baruch Hashem, Mir Hashem, there'll be miracles. We just didn't know if we should stay or go. <laughs> and um, my husband actually reached out to his family. He wrote to them, um, this is the answer. What I would just want to hear what people have to say. What do you think we should do? And one of his brothers answered that, um, that, well, your base Yigamal Thomas was a big miracle for the Friedrich Rebbe and that he got out of jail. But after that, he left Russia. So maybe you should leave. <laughs> and there'll be miracles. Wow. So together with that and also the other shluchim that were also, everybody just said, let's just go. We just, we had to get out. Um, but I just want to go back and say that the reason why we had decided that we have to leave also is because the the bombings were coming closer. They weren't just on the outskirts of the by the border, which is an hour away. They started bombing um, buildings which was within a block away from our oh. from our house, and they were also bombing just regular apartment buildings. First, they were bombing like military, um, and then they were then we heard that they were also bombing just regular buildings. And so when it became like it was just. It didn't. They didn't discriminate between military and with regular people, citizens. So that's when it became very frightening because we were sort of like at their mercy. You know, if it was just military, you could say they're just going to try to hit military. But when they're hitting uh, other uh, citizens, it's very frightening. And also, we were we lived in the center in center of the city, and there's a lot of military, a lot of government buildings right next to us. So they were also trying to hit those buildings. Um, when they hit the, the buildings next to us, it was very, very frightening because we felt that the whole building was shaking, like mm-hmm. literally. Um, there were big bombs being hit and buildings coming down. And we couldn't see what's going on because we were told to stay inside, not next to windows. So that's what I was telling you in the beginning that we stayed. We went into, we had a big long hallway in our apartment <laughs> And there's no windows there. And it's like most the most secure place, I would say, in the apartment so that, you know, no glass could go flying, you know, into the into us. So we couldn't see what was going on. We were just like in the middle of the apartment with no windows to look out to. So we heard what was going on from our family that lived in America. And they found out through, you know, other WhatsApps or Instagram or news or whatever it was, they were calling us and telling us what's going on in the city. (laughs) Because we didn't know ourselves. It's actually like like a good muscle for like, just a really sad point. Like the Rebbe sees what's going on. He tells us what's going on. We're like, we're in the generation. We're like the ones, you know, actually being Mashiach, but we don't even know what we're doing, how powerful our mitzvah is. There was like, one second I see that your mitzvah can actually be the one that could tip the scale. You're like, we're like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know? right right we don't really actually see what's going on and there's so much more happening in the brooklynistical world so then you just got into the car what what happened so basically then we decided when we decided we're gonna leave so then became a problem how are we gonna leave because we did not have our own car 
we didn't own a car and we used to get get around by taxis uh, or drivers because um, it was much more cheaper that way and um, it just worked out better for us. So now it was the question, how are we going to get out? So we started making phone calls to people who we knew who had a van because we had five children with us, um, ages uh, 15 to three. And we couldn't get a hold of anybody. Everybody either left or didn't want to. And we were just making phone calls, phone calls. Nobody. There was nobody who was ready to take us out. So then we started calling the other shluchim. If they found anybody, um, one of the local shluchim had a car, so they left. And they were encouraging us also to leave. And um, the Yehoshua came to us from... Another other shluchim whose children were in America and they were doing work from America trying to get drivers and they found some taxi drivers. Um, who and and so they they got for us also somebody. So it was like it was Ashkachapratis Baruch Hashem that uh, we were able to to leave. There was a, a somebody with a van who was willing to take us, of course, for a big sum of money. And I'll give you an example. Uh, usually. How we were going to go, we were going to go to the next city, Dnieper, which over there was relatively quiet. And um, there were a lot of um, stops on the way with, with uh, army, army, what's it called? Army, uh, what's it called? Yeah, army, army check-ins. Checkpoints, checkpoints along the way. Um, so that's where we're told we should go in a certain direction towards Dnieper. And over there, it's quiet and we'll be able to stay there for, you know, for the time being. And... Um, the driver, basically to get there, it's like usually three hours. This time it took eight hours wow. because we had to make a bunch of checkpoints along the way. And there was traffic all the way. Wow. Um, also, it usually costs about 100 to $200 for a van to take you there. And this time was 10 times the, the amount because it's war. It wasn't $200. It was $2,000 to get over to Dnieper crazy yeah Baruch Hashem there was the community in the Dnepr and they had people helping with money and they were able to help not just us but all the shluchim and all the our community they were coming into them and they were paying for their taxis to get them out as quickly as they can so the taxi drivers were basically dropping us off and then going back and forth and back and forth and as the days went on they were expecting more and more money but Baruch Hashem, the community stepped in and helped out with paying for that money. And also people helped out to send money wow. to get people out. But did he know what to take yeah. with you, what to pack? So basically, um, I would say maybe maybe it was like right after Shabbos when we felt we were told don't don't leave the house because the bombs were coming closer. Um, that we felt that maybe we might have to leave. Um, we might have to go to Shul. Um, maybe if it's a danger to our building, we'll have to escape for whatever reason. So we told the kids to take a small carry-on suitcase um, and to fill it up with what you know, with a few pairs of clothing, two Shabbos pairs of clothing, you know, whatever they could fit into that suitcase. Basically, took a towel, uh, and that was it, and a, and a backpack. Basically, a backpack and a small suitcase. The reason why is because we didn't know if we would have to escape. How are we going to run? Are we going to have to run out of the street? Are we going to have to take a car that doesn't fit anything inside? So we were just trying to be as compact as we can. We didn't want to start, start schlepping big suitcases. Maybe we'd have to take the train. There were trains that were going. 
you know, we won't be able to fit into the train with a big suitcase. So we just decided, you know, stay with a backpack and a small carry-on. So we just fit in as much as we can in that. I took my ksuba. I took my jewelry. I had a little bag of just like my real jewelry, basically, which doesn't take too much room. And I had a bag of Rebbe dollars that I had. And I took that. We also had a bunch of svarim from the Rebbe, but I didn't take that along. Um, but I actually got it out right away from somebody else who stayed behind and took it and brought it to show. And now I have it with me. But I, it was a whole box and I just couldn't start schlepping a whole box with me. So I left that and I said, that will, that will protect our, 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 <laughs> our apartment and our things. It'll be here and, it'll, you know, but I had it in mind to take it as soon as I could. But I took the dollar, the dollars with me, which didn't take up too much wow. room either. Your life there is everything else you left behind? Life or left. Yeah, no, that's bulky. It's like too big. And, you know, that's it. That was it. Um, I took my shaitals. My shaitals are basically my shaitals. I just put into I, the one I was wearing. I was wearing the other ones. I just stuffed into a bag, you know, because they're, they're very, <laughs> they don't take up too much space. And, um, you know, we, it was winter, so we had our boots with us, our jackets, a sweater, and that's it. And we had it, you know, when we had to leave, we just took those things and we left. We also prepared a little bit of food because we didn't know what, what our journey was going to be like. So we quickly cooked up some eggs, some potatoes, some, you know, some macaroni, just some things to have along the way, um, sandwiches, and um, that's what we had. Wow. And what's with your apartment now? Do you know if it's, um, like, secure, like nothing, nothing was touched to it? So Baruch Hashem, our apartment was not touched. Um, there's uh, there's one of the there's guards that are in the shul, and uh, security guards. So they once in a while they come up and check up on the shluchim's houses to make sure that everything's okay, and they have our key, so they check up. Um, but Baruch Hashem, nothing has happened, and it my actually two of my sons went back to Ukraine to help out shluchim for Hanukkah and for Pesach. And they happened to stop in for a couple hours to Kharkov. And they, you know, they went into the apartment and everything was exactly the same that it was before. And they had the mattresses still lying in the hallway where we were sleeping for a few oh nights. Um, and they just took a few things that, you know, we, we needed um, that they could fit into their suitcase. And they brought it back to us. But Baruch Hashem, I have to thank Hashem that, you know, our apartment is still there. And our things are there. And, um, and we're safe. That's the main thing. And uh, now we're wow. here. <laughs> Rebbe says that spreading miracles actually brings Mashiach. So, you know, it sounds like, yeah, you left. But I'm sure it was miraculous. You know, Baruch Hashem, at that moment, nothing was coming down from the sky. And you made it out in one piece. Yeah. So I like, I like to give the example of how I look at the whole thing of going out from, um, from Kharkov. The whole thing was very, very... Um, I would say Himmeldit, you know, very Ruchnius, this whole thing, because it was so strange how war began. And you have hundreds, we have tens of Shluchim. I don't know if it's hundreds of Shluchim, but maybe a hundred Shluchim. And also their communities all of a sudden like escaping. And like, it's, it's strange. It's like not your regular thing happening, right? And um, and then you have the whole world Pasha davening for us. I mean, we were on some WhatsApps and the Tehillims, they were just, you know, everybody saying Tehillim and saying the next one, just going around like, you know, 24 hours saying Tehillim for us. And I Pasha felt like it was like Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim. Wow. Like we were just like pushed out of, pushed out of Mitzrayim, pushed out of Ukraine for whatever reason, right? And then I felt like Hashem is 
Hashem's Ananiya covered were just surrounding us. Like we were, we had just escaped with absolute Baruch Hashem, no harm, just coming out and everybody was helping us along the way, everybody. And, you know, other communities, how we, how we left with a convoy of buses, with police escorts out of the country, which took 24 hours. And then coming to Kishinev, and we were there, came Erev Shabbos to Moldavia. Moldavia, that's Kishinev. And we spent Shabbos there, and they had a whole Shabbos for us out of nothing, just made a, created a Shabbos for all the refugees. And then we left off, we went on, went on to um, Moldavia, and then we went to, um, oh gosh, just in my mind, the next country next to it. Okay, it'll come to me. And then we went off from there, went to Poland, and then we took a, a plane ride to Look at that, New York. He did a Europe trip. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, one one bus ride to another, to a plane ride. And actually, when we were traveling the twenty four hours, my sister, who's in Australia, uh, in Australia, she reached out to me, and she's like, "Do could we could we help you with anything? We have we have um, somebody over here who's you know has some money, and he just wants to help out, if, you know, with money, but financially." And I said, I said, I'll call you back. And then we figured out that we want to get over to New York. That's our, that's our destination where we want to go to right now. And I told her that we want to get over to New York and we have to get plane tickets. And within an hour, she had made plane tickets for our whole family, plus another, the other Shluchim's family that were also going wow. to New York. This rich, this rich person just paid for it. Just, just like that. One-way ticket to New York. Well, I'm getting the And you're talking like... about, you're talking about five. You're talking about five, seven plane tickets for our family, and I don't even remember. Maybe eight plane tickets for the next family. Just, just like that. In, a, in a, you know, the and everything was just falling into place as people were just, just helping us along the way. It was unbelievable. Like literally, like you see us Mitzrayim with everything that we needed. You know, like the water and the money <laughs> and everything until we came to New York. And even when we came to New York. And even when we came to New York and people were coming with meals for us and people were tell telling us, go to the stores and, you know, buy what you need for your kids, you know, some clothing, everything. Just push it like with, with the silver platter. And I, I can't keep on thanking the Abister for that and for everybody else who, who came out and, and helped wow. us. Wow. Do you like process that it happened to you or like, it's like, what? Yeah, I, I processed it, but it was just, um, I just couldn't get over the, the amazing I don't know what the word is. It's it's not even just miracles. It's just also the Havas Yisrael and Hashem just taking care of us, just carrying us, just literally carrying us out of Ukraine with you know and surrounding us with 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 his clouds. It, it's it's unbelievable. And to this day, I'm still like amazed by it. Wow, I, it's like there's so much kindness. There's so much people that want to give. So much like love in the world. It's really right. it's really good. Like it's it's incredible. Right. And and the Tehillim that everybody was saying 24 hours. Just, you know, kept on saying, everybody just saying. that. You know, and when we were leaving, when we we're actually leaving to get to the border, we were told, don't tell people where you are um, for security reasons. They just didn't want we should be in touch because because there's enemy around and they don't want anybody just, you know, to know what's going on. So we couldn't we couldn't really tell. We were just saying we're OK, you know, but we couldn't really say what's happening or where we are. And Baruch Hashem, we were OK. And we were actually on a bus um, with a bunch of. Uh, families, mostly ladies with kids, but even some men. And we felt that, you know, where we are, that's where our shluchas is. And we were just trying, my husband was putting out spilling with people. We were trying to sing, well, the men were trying to sing, you know, songs to pay, uplift 
the spirit of everybody because everybody's in the same situation. We're trying to keep everybody happy and calm, you know, as we're leaving and coming to the, you know, to another another country. Wow. That's an incredible, crazy, amazing, miraculous story of of the whole situation. And now life has right. moved on for everyone, right? Like we're already up, like now we're, right. we have the right. Israel war and there's so every, you know, <laughs> Gullahs is never boring. Um, it should become boring very soon because it's supposed to come, but... <laughs> But like life has moved on. But for you, you're 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 not back in your Makimashlokas where you started off. Now you're in somewhere else. And I really feel like this is an am- amazing lesson that people can learn. Right? A lot of us we have plans for life. We like we sort of like take a paper in our brains and we decide like what should happen to us, when it should happen, how it should happen. And then when things don't happen in that way, then we get like, you know, one second, Hashem, you're not going according to my plan. Like this is not how I want it to be. And Hashem wants us to really, like you were saying, be a shliach in, and just be present in whatever situation we are in because that is the perfect place that we're supposed to be right now, right? Right now, we are the perfect person in the perfect place Correct. in the perfect time because Hashem is recreating us. So my question to you would be, how how are you managing to like get this new mind space? I mean, you're already doing it for almost two years, but like, how do you go about this relocation to America and any like tips for people that, you know, had plans for their life, but things are seemingly not looking the way they wanted to. Any tips for them how to remember that Hashem is with them and everything is exactly in the perfect place in the perfect time. Right. So first of all, I just want to um, say that I think since Corona happened in the world, I think people's mindset have, have shifted because it made everybody aware that this... <laughs> much more of a bigger picture than we think, and we are in Hashem's hands. So I think that in itself made people think differently. Um, but the fact that Hashem took me out of Ukraine and brought me here, I am we're, basically, when we first came out, it was almost Purim. So we were right away, we were like, we are doing something for Shluchas over here. We're going to go help Shluchim. We're not in our own place, but we're going to help Shluchim. And that's what we did. You know, like we didn't feel like we were just for ourselves. Like we're just a family and just sit down and have our meal or whatever. I, I, we felt like we had to go and give and, and just help out. And then we actually did. We went, we called up people and we went out to help Shluchim. Um, and, and also last year, we also did that. Um and um, wherever we are, we just felt like we just have to try to help, you know, be on shluchas and be 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 on the lookout to help, to be, you know, to help out people. Um, it's very hard when you're not in your own shluchas place. And um, we're actually in Crown Heights for the first for almost a year. Um, like to like be in that shluchas mode because like when you're in just like in a from community, you don't feel that. You feel like everybody around you is, you know, you know, everybody's from and everybody's doing the right thing and. Like, where, where's, where's your shlukas, you know, when we were dealing with a community that's, you know, Russians and a lot of not from, pe- not yet from people and even from people, but just, you know, being out there for them all the time. And then here you're in Crown Heights, like, <laughs> what are you supposed to do with yourself? So, um, so one of, the, so first of all, Hashem was very kind to us again in another way, which I want to explain to Hashem Pratis. And that is that before we left Ukraine, my daughter was in uh she had gone into new york for a husband of a friend and um she was suggested a, a suggestion um for shidduch and she ended up going out and that was happening during the time that we were 
that that war began. So when we had to leave, you know, there was like this thought that Mirtasham something would work out with her, with getting engaged. It was like looking positive, even though we didn't know, you know, exactly what's going to be. So when we left, we were like focused on let's get out. Let's let's go to to America. Let's not head. Let's not just hang out in Europe or in Dnepropetrovsk or let's just get to America because if if something happens with her getting engaged, we want to be there for her engagement. So that's what. So that's why we were just like we had our eye on the goal. Let's get to America as soon as we can. Um. So that really helped me focus on something very positive. Even though I was going through this whole turmoil, I was like, you know, something good is going to come out of this, and we're going to, you know, be able to celebrate. Besides the fact that we were hoping Mashiach was going to come, you know, because of this whole story, but, um, you know, like for our personal, our personal kind of simple kind, of, you know, that something was going to happen, and um, actually, that you know, a week later, she became a wow. kala. So, so for the, so that also was a very big help that when we came out and, um. We were focused on now getting ready for the chasana. Right. So for the first few months that we were, you know, in New York, we got the kids in school, which is also very, you know, it's a big change for the kids because also they weren't speaking English so well and, you know, just making new friends and the whole thing. But on the other hand, you know, we were all focused on having a chasana soon. So that was very exciting for the whole family. And and I thank Hashem for that because we were, Totally focused on. It's something like Hashem good. sends the rifua before um, the maka like, a bit. Like Hashem already exactly. like planned that she's gonna exactly. go out and then bring that simcha that we much needed. Right, right. And this was all unplanned of how this was gonna gonna work out, you know. Um, so again, you know, thanking Hashem for for every for every detail of this. Um, and then um, and then we actually in the summertime, um, and that's where I met you. We had we went to uh, help Camp Hamish. We heard that Camp Hamish could use, you know, well, they asked my husband if he could help out. And, and I was helping out with the kitty camp. And then my kid, my girls were already involved. They went to, to overnight camp, which was nice. So, you know, we felt like we were also helping out in kind of shluchas and, 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 you know, helping out in a girl's Lubavitcher camp. That's you're doing something, you know, useful with your with your time. And um, that was right after the chasana. And then my husband was offered to come to the Poconos to... Um, help out with a yeshiva over here, which was actually a new yeshiva. It was an offshoot of Temche Tamimim in uh in the Poconos, so that it's a it's a Lubavitcher yeshiva, but they have also part time with um learning trade. So they're like it's a regular Lubavitcher yeshiva with learning, maybe on a you know, more on a us maybe on a slow on a individual kind of pace and also with working or learning trade. So he took that he was basically working with with teenage boys his whole life in Kharkov so he felt that he you know something up his alley and he took the offer to you know temporarily help start the yeshiva and work with the with the boys so that's where we are so then we ended up moving up to the Poconos which is <laughs> a very different place than um where we were but you know you learn to try to try to um First of all, try to make the best out of things, and uh, and you have to get used to it, and which takes time. That's it. Definitely wasn't in our plans to like move to to the Poconos our whole life. Our boys actually went to yeshiva here, so it wasn't like so foreign to us, you know. And I had visited once or twice the Poconos to visit my sons, 
but um, we never thought we were going to go live here. Wow. So I guess you really, have, we really just have to flow with Hashem's plan. Like, you know, you never thought of that's it. That's right. That's, that's what we've been doing. We've been just going with the flow and just, you know, writing in, asking for a bracha, asking our mashbia, you know, what's the right thing to do or, you know, people who we trust, you know, and just going with it. And, and I feel that this is mamish like part of our journey, you know, whether it's hard, whether it's frustrating, whether it's, it's not, maybe it's fun even, maybe it's great, you know, there's different parts to it, you know, for, for different reasons, for different people in our family. Um, it's all part of the journey. And the the hardest part or the or the most, I say, to you know, the avayda of it is to do everything besimcha, you know, even though you can know, yes, and accept, accept, surrender that Hashem has his plans and, and, and you know, okay, this is what Hashem wants, but to do besimcha. And um, it sometimes it's it's easy and sometimes it's hard, you know. Sometimes if things are going well, and you've had a great day, then you're happy. And sometimes you could <laughs> you have to work on yourself to be happy, even though it's it's tough. So, and on the other hand, I say Baruch Hashem, we're safe, you know, we're healthy, the families, you know, here together, and and there's so much to be grateful for. So I try to look at that also all wow, the time. And I guess we're also in the month month of Adar, so. Really emphasizing the simcha. That's right. It's so important. And simcha is the same letters right. as Mashiach, but the switch of the Yud and the from Hashem's name. So that's a very true point. We could do it, but like Hashem wants us to do it, but simcha. And that leads into my next point right. of like taking the whole nevuah of taking swords into plowshares, right? Taking something negative and transforming it into positive. It's actually taking the sword itself, like the, the piece of metal and, you know, changing up the use of it. And now it's being used to you know, plant and grow vegetation and incredible stuff for mankind. So someone was actually sharing with me this point that in our lives, we all have our own quote unquote swords. We all have our gullus. And the whole thing of gula is not that it's like something, you know, another layer on top of the cake, but it's actually just revealing the olive inside the guy that we're just finding Hashem in the negativity, quote unquote, realizing that, hey, this is actually Hashem also for me as a gift. Everything happens for me, not to me. Everything is a gift for me from Hashem to be able to look deep inside this challenge, this hardship, this fear, this anxiety, whatever it is, and to actually bring out deeper kaichai that I never even knew I had. And I'm only going that deep in myself because of the sword, because of this gullus, now I'm revealing the plowshare, now I'm revealing the gula, and that's really what we're all here to do, to work on finding that olive all over, to find that Hashem in every challenge. So putting this now on you, are there any swords, quote-unquote, or negativity, or even your story of escape, that you saw how that itself was actually a stepping stone, and you were able to bring out how that was actually good for you? Something that looked bad was actually there for your benefit. It's a very good question. I'm still asking that, <laughs> even though there's a lot of not, very nice things to say. I just want to go back a little bit into my shlichas of turning the um, the swords into plowshares. Um, uh, for example, when I first came out on uh, shlichas and I was dealing with uh, kindergarten and I was actually teaching the kids through a translator because I hardly knew any Russian which is extremely, extremely frustrating for kids to have the two, three, four-year-old kids have to listen to through a translator. But um, I felt that the way to get to the kids and the kids get to their parents, the Yiddishkeit, was through songs. 
um, because they actually come home singing songs. They remember the songs and they'd come singing songs. So they actually, like, there were there were songs available. There were English songs was available and Hebrew songs, but there wasn't any Russian songs. We were one of the first shluchim, one of the first handful of shluchim coming out when, I mean, after the fall of communism. So there wasn't actually anything available in Russian songs for children. There were some songs that they sang in, in camp. You know, like uh, one is Hashem or these things, but for little kids and for the Yomim Taivim and all these things, there was nothing. We had some teacher who who spoke Ivrit and she was teaching the kids, you know, some Purim songs in Ivrit. The kids don't even know what they're saying. So, and I was like, I have to do something with this. And I'm not like a musician or shape or form, but I basically started working and it was a challenge, but I, I somehow got people involved and I changed a lot of songs that were regular English Jewish songs um, into Russian. And um, I started singing, you know, to the kids these songs or got got the other teachers to sing for me because my Russian wasn't so great then. Um, and eventually it turned into a lot of songs and I turned that into a songbook oh, wow. for for Russian for Russian um kindergartens and i think almost every single kindergarten that's in the in the soviet union has that songbook i'm sure right by now there's so many more songs that people have made up and you know you have whatsapp now and you have everybody like sending things to each other but then there was nothing available you know and um i basically turned that i would say that frustration or that you know how do i get to these kids so they could be singing songs of yiddishkeit in their house and I turned that into into a songbook, um, which I'm I'm very very happy about that that you know and and I hear from a lot of people like over the years oh it's your songbook oh I I use it all the time and I'm able to you know teach the kids and there was also davening in there and Shabbos songs and brachas I made it into a whole like uh, not just songbook but <laughs> everything that a teacher you know a, let's just say a, a local Jewish Russian teacher would open up they'd be able to teach with that you know, songs and davening and Shabbos party and everything else and Pesukim, you know, everything else. So um, that was one thing that I, you could say, maybe turned into <laughs> a sort of tough right, there would be a, a few songs out there. You might not have felt the need that like, there's like nothing, but because there was nothing, you're like, I got to do something. And now like these regular Jewish, you know, schools are having like, even like Hasidus. I'm sure you put in Hasidus in the songs. It's not just right. Jewish songs. Yeah. So there's also sure Hasidus in there. Wow. Yeah, there was explanations. There was about brachas, you know, and how to, you know, how to daven it, different things, you know, different dances or hand motions to do with, you know, anything I could, anything I did, I could, I put in there, you know, so that another teacher would be able to teach uh, kids. Um, and my husband on his side, also, he, there was also not too much literature, Jewish literature for, for children then. So he started working on his own. He took the Talks and Tales and he trans he didn't himself translate, but he got people to translate and he put in new stories of the Rebbe, different things like that. And he was but he he helped with the whole thing. Also, proofreading and everything else. He started putting out talks and tales. It's called Nastichu Mashiach to greet Mashiach. And he put that out every single month for uh, for the lo for our for our city, for the school. And then eventually he put it into books and we have 10 volumes of talks and tales in Russian. And we've got a lot of feedback from a lot of people that it's really helped them 
with their Yiddishkeit, not just not just children, but with adults. Because there's a just you you know what the talks and tales are. These were the these was what the rabbits in Chaimushka worked on for the in the beginning years in America. And um now there's ten volumes and they, they're sold all over the world for Russian Russian speaking wow. children. Amazing. So yeah. That was that was a very big accomplishment. It was took a lot, a lot of work. And um Baruch Hashem, we feel that, you know, it was for it was for the Shluchas. Um that was one thing. And another thing, for example, it was just like us. I'm just thinking now, I remember one time being in overnight camp in Kharkov. And I had two small children with me. And we had some Israeli girls um, coming to be counselors. And uh, my husband was like the director at that time. So I was sort of like just taking care of my kids and being a little bit bored. <laughs> and I couldn't really speak to the counselors. I don't know if Ritz. So I felt really lost. Usually if it would be American councils, I could, you know, sit and chat and have a little social socialism, but I didn't have anything like that this summer. I was really getting like frustrated and just like not knowing what to do with myself. And then um, I guess from that boredom, um, I decided to work with some of the, there were some wor Jew a Jewish lady workers that were like helping take care of the kids. Like they were working with the count. They were the Russian, the Russian ladies who were working with the, counselor so they could help take care of the kids so i basically gathered those ladies together and with my limited russian we decided that we're going to make a little show and we um made like a like a production song dance little play in russian about mashiach and i got them all involved and we taught i taught them a little bit about mashiach and what's gonna be like and we made a whole little production we show you know we had it we uh, we showed it to the camp. It was like a whole entertainment, but that kept me busy like during That's camp adorable. time that I felt like I was just so bored. There's nothing that I'm here. What am I here for? Why am I sitting in camp? I'm taking care of my two little kids, but like, like there's nothing to do, you know, and that that I transformed that. And I and they still remember to this day these, you know, that um when we did that show. I love that. I love that. Taking that. Yeah, that's yeah. literally it. Taking the it doesn't have to be like these grand examples. It's the small things that make such a difference. Right. I'm sure it affected these count like these Russian counselors themselves. When you are performing for a play, you put your soul into it. You remember it. It's that's right. Oh, that's right. Wow. So they learned. They learned about Mashiach, and they and they actually acted it out. And you know, I'm sure it became part of them, and they remember that. Wow, I love that. But with 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 leaving, you're saying turning my my situation, um, something negative into positive. So I'm actually, like I said, I I. I'm actually working on that on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, <laughs> you know, and just um, I do see the silver lining in a lot of ways. I wouldn't say I'm turning that into a uh, sword into plowshare, but I am looking at life and finding a lot of beautiful things that I wouldn't have if I would have not left, if you want to put it that way. Um, not that I would prefer to do that, but that's what Hashem wanted. So I'm looking at it, you know, finding the good, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, so first of all, the, when my older children left home, um, especially the boys, they would go to yeshiva. So they only came home once or twice a year. So I actually only saw them once or twice a year. And that was for a very limited amount of time, unless I came into New York, which is also very, I didn't go in all the time. So now that we're all here on the East coast, I'm, I'm really happy to see them. And I'm able to see my, I have two in and I'm able to see them grow up. 
Um, again, I'm not saying that I would choose one over the other because when I'm a shluchus, this is this is what we you know we have, and I'm and I keep in touch with them all the time when I was in shluchus and I was, but since I'm here, I'm taking advantage and I'm you know trying to you know we have get-togethers and we you know for a birthday for a simcha for you know, and it's just beautiful to see everybody and be close together. So that's that's looking at the, a silver lining and the fact that we're over here. Um, yeah. And another thing is that I, the fact that I was also out there, I also didn't very rarely, like I traveled, except that when I had to give birth, um, earlier, the earlier births, I came in to give birth and maybe for a simcha, maybe once in a while for a kinesah but otherwise I was, you know, I stayed put. Um, so now that we came in the last two years, we've been by many, many simchas, many weddings, bar mitzvahs, brisim. We've met many people. We've seen many personalities, and it just—it's just been like a real, like, like um, I don't know, Adventure. just opened my eyes to a lot of things. I mean, we were like sitting in our little bubble over there, which was nice, <laughs> in a way, you know, dealing with your own things and your own city and your own people, and you know, that was fine. But now that we've been here, like, there's been a lot of, you know, new things that we've been exposed to. Some good things, and some, you know, I would say maybe not so good, you know, but. Um, but we've actually been be able to to join in with Simchas and a lot of by a lot of people, which is beautiful. Wow! Yeah, I love how you said that you were working on yeah. it because we all are. You know, the the question sounds like a very like you know beautifully said question. But meanwhile, the point is the point of the question is really just to bring out the question in ourselves and others, just to bring that awareness and the fact that we're finding it in the small places. That's that's the start, right? We're not supposed to be tzaddikim. We're supposed to be halavai We're working on it, and the fact that we know we're working on it that that's pretty much pretty good you know that's pretty much the goal to really feel that constantly that's right which it kind of also reminds me of the battle that we have inside ourselves that we're speaking about war over here and the whole basis of tanya is that we have two nefashais alikis and nefesh bahamas and there's this constant every moment basically battle should i think of this about myself or this should i do this should i wear this should i say this there's always this battle there's always this war yeah and then when you when you do that's true and you're it's it's on a daily basis, and it's also when you have a family Baruch Hashem. It's not just you; it's also the children. It's also your husband, and you have to like, you know, you have a lot of <laughs> a lot of back and forths, you know, in in a lot a lot of ways. So if it's just you know you're just yourself, so then you just have yours. But when you're talking about a family, you have to take in consideration a lot of things, and yeah, it's it that's. That's life. That's what Hashem wants of us. And try to like, um, you know, try to win every little battle or try to do the right thing in every single situation, you know, and Hashem, Hashem appreciates our effort. And like I say, I'm, the main thing is I'm working on in and I think other people could work on is do it. Besimcha. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. I think that's what we really need in this generation. We need a just feel the simcha of Geula and just like, just be happy from the fact that Hashem is recreating us now, right? There's so much physical pleasures right. out there that people have tried and it has not worked to make them happy. Um, but the real, the real happiness is just remembering Hashem is with me now in this moment and I am in the perfect place and I'm, I'm the perfect person in the perfect time. I'm just here. Hashem is, you know, right. cre creating me. In the right. We woke up in the morning. And uh, Baruch Hashem, I'm healthy. I'm able to get, you know, do what I could do, go out, teach, you know, be there for my family, 
you know, what else could you ask for? So the house is a little bit of a mess. So the kids are late, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> but there's so much more to be thankful for. <laughs> I love the, yeah. the quote, expectation leads to frustration, right? When I'm expecting something, I guess it also back to the beginning of the yes. discussion. I want my life to be this way. And then, oh, there's a war. Oh, there's, you know, this, then, then it's like fresh. so frustrating. But when it's like, no expectation. Hashem is my driver and I'm a shlucha wherever Hashem directs me. Then it's like everything. Hopefully we can work on doing it because it's not about me. It's all about Hashem and Hashem obviously doesn't make mistakes. Right. Wow. This has been an incredible, right. incredible for bringing any final thoughts that you would like to share to our listeners. First of all, I want to um, say to the shluchim that have gone back to Ukraine because war is not over. It's not um, like when war began and they were just coming down strong everywhere, especially our city was Kharkov. It's, it was a very big target. Um, but there is war going on, even though it, they don't say about it in the news. And every once in a while, there's some bombings. And just recently in Kharkov, there was big fires because they hit a gas gas pipe or gas line or something. And there's war going on. And the Hetzluchim in our city, Moskowitz, have gone back. And another another local Russian Shluchim have also gone back, Kiminka. And then my brother, who lives three hours from us, from Kharkov and Sumi, they also went back with their family, and they're there. And um, my total, total respect for them that they're there because of their community, because some of their community had never left, and some people already came back because... You know, when it's not like really, really terrible. So people want to be back in their own homes and their own work and not be just displaced. And so there is still a community over there and they're, they have Mr. Snefish every day to be there. So call a kavod to them, you know, and I'm waiting for the day to go back to myself. And um, like, like another shliach had told my husband, when war will be over or I'll feel comfortable going back, you know, when the flights will be open over Ukraine when the airports will be open and they'll be able to fly into Ukraine. That's going to be a sign that war has, you know, that it'll be more safe to, to, to go back wow. to Ukraine. But uh, for those who, for those who, who, who are there, call a kavod to them and um, Hashem should watch Amen. over them, the Rebbe's brachas, and they should always be safe, you Amen. know? Um, and um, all I could say is we're all on our journey, you know, Everybody, I feel like I'm a real on a real journey, and I'm feeling Hashem is just taking me like in the midbar. Every stop that they made was a purpose, and they set up the mishkan there, you know, as if they were going to stay for a long time. But even if it was for a day, they set up the mishkan and they did their shluchas and they did what they had to, and that's what I feel like I'm doing. I'm here right now in the Poconos. This is where we're we are we are at. My husband's working in the yeshiva. I'm working in a in a small cheder kindergarten. And, and we'll just give it the, you know, as much as we can give it our, you know, the best that we can while we're here, help out with what we can. Obviously, this is where we have to be. And when Hashem shows us that we have to continue our journey somewhere else, so that's where we're going to be. And we'll set up shop over there, you know, even though it's not easy to change, change places. And, and again, for the, for the children also, it's not easy to start, you know, changing schools and, and, and friends and the whole thing. But if that's what Hashem wants, we're going to do it and we're going to try to do it with Simcha. And um, yeah, and I and and we aren't in control, but we try to be in control. You try to set out, you know, you try to do the best you could do with, you know, you have to make plans somehow. You have to send your kids to camp, to school. You have to make your plans. 
But um, yeah, we're, we're all in Hashem's hands. We're all, you know, everything is planned out by Hashem and you have to try to accept for surrender and then also besimcha that, you know, whatever it is, it is. And every there's everybody ha goes through hard times and, um, you know, people with shaduchim and people for waiting to have a child and, and, and unfortunately people who have illnesses and they have to get through illnesses and, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's very hard. And uh, I just say we have to, you know, Hashem is holding our hands and taking us and uh, we have to accept that and try to do that besimcha. That's that's my message. And I and I talk. I'm saying it to myself as well. I mean, yeah, for all the shluchim there, they should be safe. And about the journeys, when you were saying the journeys, it's the Rebbe says in the Sikha that from Tavshin Al to Tavshin and Beis, it's 42 years. And the Rebbe saying is like compared to the 42 journeys in the midbar. So the Rebbe said we did it. We did our journeys. Now we're ready to come to Eretz with the Gula. We're done. And so Merch Shem, we should just you know see it. Begiloy with revealed eyes. I think we're all ready, more than ready. Baby's like overdue. Amen. So I can't wait to dance with you. Basimcha in Yerushalayim today. Amen. Amen. I also feel some people ask me, you know, the fact that we're not in our own home, we're unsettled. It's true, we're we're not settled. But I I see also since I've came come here that a lot of people have been moving and going different places, and I see a lot of people unsettled in different ways, and I just feel that. You know, Hashem is like showing us like he's also unsettled. Like, you know, we're not supposed to be we're not supposed to be comfortable in Gullus. This is not really where we're supposed to be. So, yes, you have to be, you know, people want to feel like settled or they want to feel like, you know, to plan out their life. But we're really supposed to be in Yerushalayim with Mashiach. And this unsettledness is making us feel like there's something more to just our regular life that that we're living. And that's that's what I feel like, you know, that we're just Hashem wants us to feel like, you know, we got to get back there. <laughs> got to get back to Yerushalayim. Just do the last, you know, the last few things that have to be done. Amen. It should be ready today. Amen. Amen.